Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. I've had many inspiring guests on my show. Today is among my favorites because David Hollenbach is not only a motivational guy from what he says, but also because of what he does and has been doing during his 23-year career as a firefighter. He's also a leader. He's been chief of operations in the fire service and other roles where he's saving lives and helping people gain more confidence, more fulfillment, communicate effectively, and deliver excellence every day. By listening to this episode, you'll better understand what it means to lead with purpose and ways of thriving through disruption. We talk about fireproof strategies to overcome challenges and surpass goals without limiting beliefs. There's so many valuable topics not enough time. So take notes, listen again, and please subscribe to Doing CX Right on your favorite podcast channel, Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to get notified of new episodes. And hey, leave me a review. Feedback is a gift and I appreciate it so much. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello, David Hollenbach. Welcome to the Doing CX Right show. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have you, and my audience is going to understand that in a moment. You are a different guest than my others because of where your career has led you, yet the skills, the purpose, the learnings are so applicable to the business world. So with that said, can you share who are you professionally? What do you do? So I I retired from the fire service in 2019, towards the end of November of 2019. I had uh, worked my way up to the battalion chief rank. I had spent three years as the chief of special operations. And then before I retired, I was responsible for six fire stations. And the department I worked for was uh, is a very large metropolitan fire department seven battalions, uh, and that doesn't include the special operations. So each battalion is six to seven fire stations, seven battalions. You know, it's a rather large fire department. So I was responsible for six fire stations. Uh, two of them were special operations stations and uh, just had a, a, a really awesome career, you know, as a firefighter, as a, a driver, uh, I was a um, public safety rescue diver. And uh, as the chief of the special operations, I was responsible for developing our dive team. And that was just an awesome experience. I managed a lot of uh, grant funding as the chief of special operations as well, uh, responsible for millions of dollars of uh, federal grant funds that would really provide equipment and training to the, the hazmat technicians, the, the special operations people on the different departments in, in the region. And uh, just 
I would have to deal with a lot of different personalities, people from different backgrounds, different professions. Uh, it wasn't just the fire department. So I have a kind of a unique uh, experience level in that sense. But yeah, there there is something that I, I tend to lean on is that leadership is leadership. And it doesn't matter if you're in the corporate setting or on the fire ground. If you're a good leader, you're going to have people following you. And if you're not, you're just going to be taking a walk. So uh, I, I think that some of the lessons that I've learned in my career, some of the, the hard-learned lessons are, are very applicable in the business world. Tell me why you got into this line of work as a career. What's your why? Well, at the very center of it, I would say just a, a strong desire to help people. And it didn't hurt that, you know, there's the adrenaline factor, you know, there's a sense of excitement and you, know, you get to do cool stuff. But mainly to help people, you know, when they're, when they're in need, when they're having the worst day of their life, to be able to be there for them and, and be somebody that they can count on. Beautiful answer. What's one thing that people may not know about you? Well, you know, I, I wrote a book. That's not the thing. That my, my writing, this desire to write and this, this passion for writing began uh, at an early age writing poetry. And I feel like I'm a pretty good poet. I relate to that. I wrote poems as a kid. I have stacks of poems and it's still in me. I didn't continue with it, but I can easily put a paragraph or two or share feelings with people in poetry. So that's very cool. We're going to have to talk about that after the show. All right. <laughs> so let's get to the meat of this here. You spent many years devoted to saving lives and leading with purpose. And I want to dig into that um, because you know so much about thriving through disruption. What does thriving mean to you? Let me dig a little bit deeper here because thriving, I think, is really a, a sen having a sense of fulfillment. You know, you're doing something that gives you that sense of fulfillment. And, you know, I, I really had to dig deep when I left the fire service um, in 2019 because that was my identity. And when that was no longer my identity, when I wasn't driving to the fire station, when I wasn't, you know, allowed to run through traffic with lights and siren, you know, that was no longer me. So how do I answer the question, who are you? I really had to dig deep and, and find out what really is important to me at my core. Because I think we're all chasing that, that sense of fulfillment, that, that pure form of happiness. And the purest form, I think, that you can get is 
that sense of fulfillment that comes when you help somebody else achieve something they didn't know they could do. Mm. I'm reflecting on that. It's so powerful. Yeah. Well, okay. So in your role, putting out fires, saving lives, did you have fear in those stressful situations? And how do you conquer it? Well, yes, there have been many occasions where you're in a position where you might die. And so you, you think to yourself, you know, is this it? Uh, and either you survive or don't. And thankfully, I've survived all those experiences, but it goes to the training, really being able to fall mm. back on the training because when, when you're in that high-stress environment, when there are so many things going on, you know, very dangerous situations where not just you, but maybe your teammates or, you know, people that you're there to help, you know, their lives are hanging in the balance and you have to be able to contain that, that level of excitement, that sense of overwhelm. And that comes with training. You have to train, you have to train and you have to run those calls. You have to, you know, walk before you run and, there, there are some tools that were very important for me when leading in high-stress environments. So if I were, you know, the incident commander of a large scene, and I wanted to share these, these three tools with you and your audience because they're very applicable, not just in the business world or in the fire department, but also in your personal life. Managing stress is so important, especially nowadays. So... Taking these three tools, I, I think, can benefit anybody, and I would encourage people to share this, but set the stage for, for how I'm explaining this and, and my uh, perspective. So I'm the incident commander of a very large fire. There are multiple units on scene, upwards of 30 to 40 people operating teams of two to four operating, all communicating. We're communicating over the radio. The conditions are changing rapidly. Multiple things have to be happening all at once or people could die. And I'm the incident commander. I have my radio. I'm trying to listen to everything that's going on. I'm giving direction, uh, responding to communications that are coming in. And it can be overwhelming. And what it takes is when you start feeling that, what, what is happening is your, your prefrontal cortex is kind of separating from your brainstem, your hypothalamus, your, your primitive brain. You're being hijacked. It's that fight, flight, or freeze response. And that happens. In, in high stress environments, when, when you're dealing with something stressful, 
Um, the way to overcome that is to first recognize that it's happening and take a step back, like a physical step back and take some breaths. So I call it a tactical pause. The tactical pause is just taking a step back and then box breathing is breathing in for a count of four, holding it for a count of four, breathing out for a count of four and holding it out for a count of four. And you repeat that four times, it takes approximately one minute, but it's enough time for your logic to come back, for you to be able to come back into the present moment and regain that, the capacity to make sound decisions. Because you can end up with tunnel vision, you're hyper-focused on one detail when you need to be seeing the big picture. Uh, and these are things that you can do in your, in your personal life. And then the third tool is the CAN report. CAN is a, an acronym for conditions, actions, and needs. And in the role of the incident commander, I would radio to one of the officers inside operating on the interior, and I'd ask them for a CAN report. They'd report back what the current conditions were, what actions were underway, and what needs they had, if any, to improve what they're doing. So as you can see, that's something that's very applicable regardless of you know, personal life, the fire ground, or in business. It's a way of organizing your thoughts and your actions, especially when you're under a lot of stress. So there's two words that come to my mind when I hear your story and, and advice. One is communication and two is collaboration. Yes, absolutely. That is so relevant to companies and colleagues working together and communicating whatever channel that is to be able to conquer that stressful situation. Yes. Yes. And in the leadership programs that I developed for the fire department, one of the things that I found myself focusing on most is communication skills. Without communication skills, you can't build trust. Without trust, you can't build teams. Communication is the foundation for everything leadership, for everything team-driven, high-performing teams know the importance of communication and they do it well. And I imagine that it's not even a nice to do, it's a have to do when you're in crisis situations and, and working together. Yes. I actually wrote about it in my book. There's... Um, the five communication responsibilities that the United States Army, Army Rangers, they use these. They actually developed a program for the forestry service, uh, wildland firefighters. They applied those five communication responsibilities uh, to their professional development. And uh, I utilized it in the leadership programs from my department. And I put it in my book because I, I feel like it's very uh, important. Mm. I can share it with you real quick. Just, uh, all right. So the, the five communication responsibilities are brief. So use briefings to ensure accurate situation awareness. Debrief. So you use after action reviews to build accountability and learn from the experience. So if you're the person 
in charge. You're the leader. Whether you make mistakes, whether you're, you know, spot on with all of your decisions, there's always things to be learned. You've got to share those, those lessons learned. When communicating, especially in high-stress environments, if there's, you know, some large deal that people are working on, Effective communication is important. So the the acknowledge and understand messages. So when you're communicating with somebody, making sure that they actually understood what you're asking of them, you have them repeat it back to you in their own words so that you know that they understand exactly what you're asking of them. Communicate hazards to others. You have to make sure that if you see something you say something to somebody that can do something about it. And if you don't know, you ask. So uh, it, it's just, I mean, they're very, very simple, but those were communication breakdowns that uh, led to uh, firefighter deaths. So mm-hmm. that's why those five communication responsibilities are so important and why they're used throughout the fire service. Very powerful. Now, in the corporate world, even entrepreneurs with small businesses, a lot of times it's hard to get people to move physically and mentally because of limiting beliefs. Talk to me about this and how do you move people? It's funny that you should bring this up. Uh, I was just actually talking to somebody about this and this is... I think this goes hand in hand with imposter syndrome. When you know you're selected for a position or you know a contract or a task that you you don't feel like you're you know ready for yet, or the people that you're leading might not look at you as somebody that can follow through with the mission. I think it's human nature to to feel insecure sometimes, but when you start Looking inward, you, you've got to fall back on your training and, and fall back on what you know you know. And somebody has faith in you because you got picked for that. And, and I think that this imposter syndrome can, can be overcome just by, you know, giving it your all and think about all the things that you have done right and, and give yourself some grace. If you're in a new position, on top of that, give yourself some grace but also remember to give others grace. If you ask of you know ask something of them, and you know maybe they make a mistake. Yeah. As leaders, you know, taking responsibility for the team if mistakes are made, I feel that that's very important uh, because if you're the leader, you're responsible for providing them with the training and the tools to to be successful at whatever it is that you're asking. Mm-hmm. So. Do you believe that mentorship and coaches are needed? Is that what helped you in the beginning? Well, it didn't come until later, but it was definitely what I needed. Definitely what I needed. I I don't think that you can thrive and, and be successful on your own. Yeah, there, there are some superstars out there, but even the superstars have coaches that help them develop and, you know, identify those blind spots 
You know, we all have blind spots. There's the things that we're really good at and we know we're good at. There's the things that we're really good at and we're not really sure if we're good at it, but everybody else knows we're good at it. And then there's the things that we just, we don't know that we don't know. And those blind spots, when working with a coach, they are revealed. And then you can, can become even better. So I think it's easy in a business environment to set up a coaching mentorship or even a really good boss who can help you elevate your skills and your career path. In FIRE, like there's no trial and error in the same way. I mean, how, if you could take someone new and bring them to the FIRE with you, first time, second time, I mean, what, I can't imagine that mentality to say, I'm going to do this. I'm brave. I've never done this before. How do you get someone to say yes? It's a lot of training, a lot of training. You have to put them in the position where they're able to feel the heat in in training, in a safe environment uh, where, you know, the heat is real. They get to feel what it's like. So when they're actually at a fire and you feel that that hot air hits you or it's completely black, you have no visibility whatsoever, and then all of a sudden it gets really, really hot, that's really scary. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's already hot in a house that's on fire, but when it gets really, really hot, where you try and flatten yourself out on the floor, just to try and feel a little bit cooler, that's extremely scary, especially if you're doing a search and you don't have a hose line with you. (laughs) So, Mm. yeah, I I would say there is a lot of mentoring that goes on in the fire service. It's not quite the same, but it, it is in the sense that it's somebody with experience trying to pass on knowledge and tools to the younger generation. Mm. Yeah. And I don't think it happens enough in companies. I think when I reflect on my career, I've had a small number of people who actually took me under their wing that actually really cared to help me learn what I don't know and not penalize for not knowing or to encourage to be brave. And so I think that's a gap in the business world that perhaps in public safety, they do better. Well, I think there's still some gaps in in public safety. And this is something that we communicated about is... um, the fire service has a very exclusive culture. Uh, there are very few women in the fire service. And, you know, when I, when I talked about the leadership development where, you know, there are certain things that I focused on, this is a male-dominated culture. And when you look across many different occupations, the the comparison between the fire service and these other 
occupations that are similar with educational requirements, physicality, shift work, that sort of thing. The fire service in 2010, with the 2010 census numbers, the concentration of women in the fire service in the United States was 3.7%. The 2020 census is 4.7%. So in 10 years, gained a whole percent. Now, other occupations that are similar, like military, law enforcement, iron workers, welders, that kind of thing, truck drivers, it's over 18%. So that's a pretty big discrepancy. And there's been a lot of talk of the reason for that. And the reality is, is that it's the culture. If you want people to stay, if you want to get people to come to your organization, you have to create an environment that's welcoming and one in which they feel like they are going to be successful, where they can thrive, where what they bring to the table is valued the same as everybody else. So when women come into the fire service, this is some, something that I've seen firsthand where you can have two same time on the job, uh, a man and a woman, they both make the same mistake. The man is going to get talked to a certain way, and then they're going to get additional training. The woman may not get talked to at all, and they're not going to get any additional training. The talk is going to be behind her back and like, oh, you see, that's, that's why women don't belong in the fire service. She can't even do this. It's asinine, it's ignorance, and it's something that I have been trying to shed a light on. And, you know, the fire service is getting better, but it's just taking so long. And what I've found, and this is me traveling around the country to different fire department uh, conferences, that kind of thing, training with people. I did a lot of training with Department of Homeland Security where, you know, individuals from fire departments across the United States, they would come and do the same trainings and you talk to them and it's the same problems nationwide. uh, Leadership is lacking in the fire service. There's not a whole lot of leadership development. And then I think what it really points to is a lack of emotional intelligence within the leadership of the fire service. And those components that I would focus on when training leaders in the fire service, like learning how to communicate better, how to be more self-aware that, you know, when you're talking with somebody, you've got to pay attention to their body language. You've got to be aware of your body language. How is what you're saying being received? And you have to care how it's being received, you know? And... Those components of emotional intelligence, and that's what those are, is components of emotional intelligence. Those are all the areas that when measured in men and women, those are the areas that women score much higher than men. And it just seems like a pretty interesting correlation there that there's not very much many women in the fire service and the, the leadership is a lot of times lacking those components that women are very, yeah. uh, you know, they're, they're more advanced than men. You know, not 100%, but 
you know, by and large, that's how it plays out. And I just think that it's, uh, it points to a need for more women in the fire service. I could have dedicated this entire episode to this topic because <laughs> it is near and dear to my heart and very relevant to the business world. So relevant. But we are coming to the end. And I want to ask you, finally, one is, if you could go back to your younger self, 20-year-old David, based on what you know now that you didn't know then, what would you say to you? Pay attention to the women in your life. Hmm. Because I learned a lot of valuable lessons from very strong women uh, in my professional life and in my personal life. I can't imagine how much more I would have learned had I been paying attention. Well, obviously I'm female and I love what you're saying, but for more than that reason, I appreciate your words and I hope more people will adopt those views no matter where they work and no matter who they live with. And finally, I would say if there was only one takeaway for people listening today, besides listen to women more, what else would you say about thriving and, yeah, thriving through disruption? Find out what's really, really important to you. You have to know yourself because there's, we can accumulate a lot of stuff. We can accumulate wealth. We can accumulate possessions. But what is really going to create that sense of fulfillment, that happiness that we're all seeking, I, I really truly believe that if you focus on adding value to those in your life, those that you're leading, those that you lived with, those in your community, if you focus on that, I think you'll live a much happier life. And I think that's what it's all about. I, that's what leadership is all about. And that, you know, the best measure of a good leader is to look at the success of the people that are following them. That's beautiful. And I would also say with fire on my mind, I mean, things can disappear very quickly. And I guess you could replace a lot in a store but connections and relationships and mentorship and caring, that's irreplaceable. Yes. Well, I am so grateful for your time and I'm going to share in the show notes where to find you and your book. I'm going to encourage people to read it. And what is the best place to find you? Would it be LinkedIn or your website? My website, okay. hollenbachleadership.com. It's H-O-L-L-E-N-B-A-C-H, leadership.com. And uh, I'm going to have you on my podcast, From Members to Excellence, and all of those episodes, my, my book. Um, I've got everything on my website, so please check it out. Well, thank you again for saving lives, for sharing your wisdom here, and for being a wonderful guy all around. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lesson shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.